Good afternoon, you're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and the programme is Local Media This Week. The programme where we have a look at the print media here in County Clare, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo mostly, and we give our take on what they are talking about and hopefully you'll find it interesting. Uh, delighted to welcome our most of our regular, well we're all regular here at the moment, John S. Kelly. John, you're welcome. Thank you very much, Jim. And Pat O'Brien, good to see you, Pat. Thanks, Jim. Now, one of our usual um, members here on the panel is uh, David Fleming, but David is unavoidably absent today, so it's uh, Luke Fleming is again off the bench. Uh, off the bench, And Jim. warming up. Uh, well, uh, warming up, but I, I, I'll have to start uh, the episode and express my sympathies to the far end of the table. Oh, that's, that's John S. Kelly? Yes. With, with humility? Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm afraid it's not my sport, John. But, 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 but I, I, I will... I, uh, I said we alluded to it off air, uh, and you were quite diplomatic with how you uh, dealt with the results last weekend. So my sympathies... But we have to congratulate uh, the Clare boys for their victory over Roscoe. And I, and I show further magnanimity by saying I wish Clare every success in the uh, in the court panel. And he means that. Yeah. He does. I'm not like some people no. I know. He, 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 he can put the clear jersey back on front now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It might have been hidden away last weekend, but it's back on now. Hear so. that, Pat. No. Anyway, and I suppose just as we are starting the programme, yeah. we're recording the programme on Thursday evening. So... By the, the, it's now Sunday uh, when this goes out, so at this stage we don't know the result of the Clare Wexford game. So yeah. we'll obviously have our fingers crossed here. But yeah. by the time you're listening to us, uh, listeners will know the the result. So any sporting, we're not going to refer to it really because um, it, it, it's it's now in the past. Now I suppose one of the things that's certainly not in the past. Pat, are, there are numerous references to pyrite, uh, and during the week we had the government announcing that Clare and Limerick were now going to be part of the pyrite slash MECA uh, scheme. Yeah, well, it's, you the front it's well covered, Pat, today. It's well covered on the paper, yeah. You have the front of the champion. Getting our campaign this far has been incredibly stressful. Mixed emotions for Clare Pyrite Action Group as concerns remain over the address. Uh, Fiona McGarry has the front, front page story here, Chair Champion. Yeah, yeah. And you've uh, a, a picture there of Clare Pirate Action Group, Chair Thurston, Dr. Martina Cleary, protests outside the door on Wednesday morning, and she has a, a, heap, a heap of stones in her hand that's brought off, off one of those concrete blocks. Pat, um, why, why um, are, is, is one of the articles there suggesting that the people uh, are not happy, even though Clare has been included? Well, I suppose they, 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 they don't know the details yet, John. Uh-huh. They don't know the details. Uh, the details in the, you know, they, they, they haven't communication, been, communication difficulty again. Yeah, they, well, they haven't been. They haven't been. Uh, they haven't given any any detail on on on. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we've spoken about it previously, and I would sort of put it akin to. Uh, there would have been reports in the media that uh, the children's hospital might cost another 51 million because of, you know, hyperinflation apparently is what... Hyper? Uh, hyperinflation in the building industry. And we have alluded to this in the past. 
as what this is going to cost. And it's a little bit like they come out and say, oh, it might cost 100 million initially, 200 million. It's going to cost in the billions, but they're not going to come out and say it. Yeah. Because it'll be drip, 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 and a bit like there's a government announcement to launch good news three or four times. They'll start to say that you know the same the same thing being announced three or four times over a case of six months. I I noticed on page six of the Echo, I was saying Fiona has uh, been doing fabulous work in the Clare Champion on the pirate issue in particular over yeah. it's well over a year at this stage. But on page six of the Echo. Uh, Porrick McMahon has members of the Clare Pyrite Action Group remain, quote, in the dark on the details surrounding their inclusion in, in the defective concrete blocks redress scheme. So this is a little bit like come out and say, oh, we're putting Clare and Limerick into it. But like in three or four months' time, it could be two or three more counties are being put into it. It's drip, 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 Can, drip. Luke, what controls, or does anybody here know, what controls are in place? to ensure that if somebody is building a house now and blocks are bought in the in the Clare area, that we can't have a repeat of it. What controls are there? Well, I, I, I don't know, John, but I said this is about the past. And we'll say founder of the Clare Pyrite Action Group, Dr. Martina Cleary, told the Clare Echo they had not been told a single word regarding the eligibility and detail into the expanded scheme. I quote, they have been releasing press statements saying they're consulting with homeowners, but none of them are from Clare. She yeah. told the Clare Echo, there's been absolutely no contact with us as stakeholders on the ground with Clare Pirate Action Group, but that is part of their form. They've kept us in the dark from the start. They are now spreading misinformation saying we were consulted as homeowners. It yeah. is disgraceful behaviour that we've not been consulted. What are they hiding that they can't let us see? What and do you feel about that? What they're hiding is how much it's going to cost. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. I presume and it's they, money. Don't, they don't want to commit themselves to it. Correct. Yeah. 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 There is a cap of 420,000 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. uh, per house. And there's a second cap of between 145 and 161 euro. Is it euro? Per yeah. square foot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is also part of the deal. So I suppose that the government, and it's hard to blame them, are, are hedging their bets in relation to. They don't want to overcommit because initial, it could cost billions. Initial information in it was that houses could be remedied in situ, whereas a lot of the experts that we have read over the last number of weeks said that the only solution to it is total demolition. Absolutely. Therefore, if you have total demolition, your costs are increased. And that's, if you ask me, that's, that's the elephant in the room that no one in a government uh, uh, position is going to admit. Because yeah. it's money, okay. money, money. Hmm. Okay. I wonder what percentage of, presumably the 420,000 price cap is the cost of demolition plus rebuilding. Or at least that's the... But you yeah. go, go back a year, John. How many houses were we told had pirate and clear? Mm. Yeah. Less than five. Mm. A but year later, look at where we're at. Between seven, 620 and 678 potentially affected in clear. I'm not going to check, uh, examine to see if my house falls into that category until I see physical evidence. It's not human nature, In fact, the 600 that are listed now could be. I, I, this is what was said all along. Yeah. That you know, he said it started in Donegal. Yeah. It did. It wasn't anywhere else. Then it went to Mayo. You know, and, and it has been. It's like trying to draw blood from a stone. Yeah, but a, yeah. a lot of this is, I suppose, as well, is uh, 
control on, 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 on the building, on the manufacturers, uh, was the proper control. And is, is there no, you, I think, John, you, you, you raised um, a very good question there about it, about what kind of control is there now, yeah. if you buy blocks or whatever, yeah. for, for, or yeah. concrete. For, for You'd hope the there are, but, but I you, mean, none of us know. I mean, if there were, uh, having asked the question, sure, I probably realised that uh, the need to ask the question would suggest there aren't any controls, yeah. because if there were controls, they would have been listed high, high in, yeah. up yes. and low down, wouldn't they? They would. Yeah. Well, you would imagine would. that, that, that um, and I think I said this here a couple of weeks ago as well, that uh, there isn't that many black manufacturers in play, or maybe the whole yeah. country that shouldn't yeah. take an awful lot, maybe you, you, you have an engineer of, uh, from Munster and you have an engineer for Connacht and maybe Leinster, or maybe uh, from each county, and um, they can walk in and, and, and say, and, and take samples of, of, of what's going on mm. in, in various events. Yeah. I suppose yeah. we can't forget either that the whole pyrite thing is a huge problem and a very personal one for those people who are suffering involved and, yeah, and yeah. the source mm. of anxiety and stress you know, that, that people are going through, including loads in County Clare who have you know, that sure. kind of problem yeah. with their house. So, so inside yeah. in the night time and, and you hear the walls creaking and, and or roofs yeah. creaking and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. you know what could come You see, down you see the you. picture on page one of the champion there of uh, Dr. Martine Cleary protesting outside the doll and yeah. Yeah. one day and she's the Clare Pyrite Action Group chairperson. Yeah. yeah. With, with rubble or dust in her hands practically. Yeah. Mm. A block broken up. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on. Uh, the next item, I suppose, which is widely covered in both that the Echo and the Champion this week is Shannon. And of course, we, <laughs> we've never discussed Shannon before. Um, I suppose one good news anyway, and John, we had Cahill Crowe in, in this radio station some time ago, and he talked about the potential for cargo in Absolutely. Shannon. And, and we, there's a bit of good news this week. Absolutely. Cargo Lux. Jeffrey Irland, it's a cargo... Uh, uh, in passing, maybe, yeah. but I wouldn't know anything about them. Another vote of confidence for Shannon. So, Porrick McMahon is very well covered. Um, and uh, he says the Shannon Airport has been confirmed as the latest addition to the network of global cargo airline. So, the cargo and Shannon flying, being, flying, being flown <laughs> by Cargo Lux, a new, a new company. Well, it's not a new company, but it hasn't been here before. Uh, and it's going to bring the stop to Luxembourg. Isn't that correct? Yes. That's the idea. And from there then, uh, Luxembourg will be the hub, and then they can access right. the international. Yeah, I think in, in fact, Johnny, it has been, they, they have used Shannon before. Have they? But not a scheduled service. Okay, this though is, how many, is it twice a week or once a week? I think it's twice a week. Twice a week. Yeah. And there is no reason why the new Cargolux service shouldn't be the forerunner to Shannon's evolution into an important European cargo hub. And yes. that's Deputy Carey making his point is well made. So the, the Luxembourg base provides both a vast road trucking network across continental Europe and onward flights to destinations in Asia, Africa, the Middle East and the Americas. I got lads, this is yeah. kind of... It, it will be a weekly, uh, year-long service. Yeah, it's yeah. a year, isn't it? Yeah. So let's hope this... It's not good though. I mean, that's it's good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's Let's hope that it's successful and yeah. Yeah. it goes from strength to strength. Yeah, yeah. that's cargo logs. Yeah, well, uh, I, I should uh, with, uh, with with cargo going out of Shannon because I see Mary Constable there was with the council and she 
she said that the, 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 all, all the, the state buildings are all, are all full up. They are 100%. Oh, in, in, in the industrial industry. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 But look, as, as Pat mentioned there, the, the county council had uh, some of the people from Shannon in this week, and they, they were very upbeat, very positive. Well, I suppose they were, but they might have, I, I don't know, could you call it as a... Uh, it was a great line, John. A pat on the back is six inches away from a kick in the bun. <laughs> <laughs> there, there could be a more there could be a more descript version of it, but, but we're on daytime radio, so I won't I won't allude to it. But uh, uh, the possi- now the possibility of Clare County Council's chief executive joining the board of Shannon Group was raised at this meeting, Jim, yeah. that you have alluded to, and uh, its own Ryan is writing about it there in the Champion, and. Uh, uh, while Connell Hen- Henry, who's the boss man now uh, he sa- in Shannon, he said he hadn't given the idea much thought. He wasn't supportive of it. He, oh God. he wasn't. And I yeah. agree with him. I, I know you, but look, wait a minute now. I mean, we uh, spoke about this last week, didn't we, or the week before? And we were saying, what a, a pity yeah. that the council chair, the council CEO, wasn't on the board. We were asking that he take it over or anything like that. Here we have a, a, a discussion between the CEO, right, mm-hmm. of the County Council on, on the issue, what are the, what's the job specification for the County Council right. and its executive? Yeah, I would say the Council's position with regards to anything to do with Shannon should be cooperation, right? And yeah. that there is no need for the boss man of Clare County Council to be sitting on the board. And Colonel Henry says, and I know this is where, you know, a little bit like you sort of like your, your, your boss man to come out and make a statement. And to me, he has came out and backed his crew in Shan. That's right. right. And he says, sure listeners understand what yeah. the, the, the name of the new CEO again. Will you remind the. the uh, Connell, Connell Henry, Connell right? Henry. And he said, he had, quote, great confidence in the current management team and added, the last thing Shannon Airport needs is more management. It just needs a clear plan supported by all the stakeholders. And obviously, Clare County Council would be a primary stakeholder in relation to it. But I agree with what he has said. Mm. Because you could argue that, you you know, what, what what is the council's role in the airport? They don't run it. Mm-hmm. They didn't put it there. Mm-hmm. It was put there at you know na- yeah, national yeah, level. Yeah. And you said, what what do they do? It's obviously the, like like you, you've alluded to in the past, John. Uh, connectivity. Could the council over the years have ensured that a rail link or was present at Shannon Airport? I'd say they could have. Right. And have they done it? No. So mm-hmm. no. I suppose the other thing. Luke, is that over the last number of months that we've been discussing this, maybe over the last year, we spent the time without a chairman. There was no chair of, of the airport group. And we, we, were, we felt maybe that Shannon was a bit rudderless. Yeah. Uh, we were also in a pandemic where flights were down very low or nearly at zero. I wonder, is there a sense of optimism that you have... A, you know, a set-up in Shannon now with a new chairman or whatever, that they are working hard. Well, and, and I, I think it might... There are a lot more flights 
Yeah. Well, you you've uh, demand for flights, and you see uh, it's mentioned elsewhere that they reckon that um, the numbers in the airport might be up to eighty percent of what they would have been in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. Now, if you go back three months ago, nationally, they would have said that they were hoping for tourist levels to be between sixty and seventy percent. So, if Shannon's numbers are increasing, but I, I would put it to you the big issue is it's not. We'll say. Uh, you know, we say Clare County Council, the, the boss man of Tip County Council, Limerick uh, County Council, wanting to be on the board of Shannon Airport. 87% of all flights in the country go in and out of Dublin. And you have four airports fighting for 13% of what's left. Yes. Uh, That's yeah. the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Right? Yes. You know? Okay. Uh, well, but if, you give a, if you give a bit of the cake to Shannon, and not would be the And, and car. And, 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 yeah. uh, you yeah. know, if you've got 10%, I have Peter Ryan saying one time, if you've got 10%, you could have over 3 million passengers going around Northern Shannon. It would be fine. Yeah, but but I suppose we're, we're going to leave because we can't spend too much time on it. But we're going to leave, aren't we, the question of the discussion on the function of the CEO of the council. Traditional. Views about that have built up, as Luke quite rightly. Yeah, but you, you see some of, some of the quotes from Colonel Henry in in that the, the main mm -hmm. article there yeah. uh, would say are I would class them as being quite sensible, you know. And uh, sorry, Mary Considine has has a few quotes there as well. Yeah. She asked the council to continue to urge the people of Clare to use their local airport. We I do that. I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. Now, you could argue maybe uh, the airport might need to spend a bit more advertising locally. Mm -hmm. we, we have alluded to that in the past. Yeah. You could walk through Shannon and all you see are sort of signs for, you know, up, up the country. Yeah. You know, you, you don't see, we'll say, you know, the cliffs or anything like that. But as she says, if I were to leave you with any key messages today, it's to make sure that we keep advocating to people in this region to use the services. That's the only way we can secure them for the long term. Mm. The guarantee in the Heathrow slots runs out in September, so it's really important. Those routes are doing well, and there's never a question mark about their viability. Yeah. You know, and she says, of course, this is where there's a bit of realism. Of course, the fare will be cheaper out of Dublin because they have more economies of yes. scale. Yes. There's yeah. more routes, a higher density of routes. But what's really important is that people look at the totality of costs. It's not just the airfare, it's the parking, the travel, having to stop for coffee and eat when you get there, it's the hours of queuing. A nice dig there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I give I give her that much, you know. And, and I suppose uh, that many of us would would pay a little bit extra going through Shannon, not to yeah. be stuck in queues like Dublin Airport Absolutely. have had mm -hmm. in the last yeah. number yeah. of weeks. Yeah. You know, we say she mm -hmm. she she alludes to it there. You know, Dublin is eighty seven percent of Irish traffic, so Shannon, Cork, Farn, Four, and Knock, with thirteen percent. Yeah. You know. Mm. By the way, but, look, and, and, I, I guess it's any misunderstanding. Uh, I do not disagree with uh, your analysis, you know, in relation. I'm just airing it because certainly the listeners will be interested in uh, following that discussion about who has what power. Yeah, like, I, I don't think anyone would be opposed to members of the, the councils in the Midwest area being on a committee that would have an involvement in relation to it. But should they be involved in the day-to-day -day running of the business? Absolutely not. Mm. That, I think yeah. And if you said, perhaps there could be uh, better lines of communication on different things between them. Yeah, okay. Okay, a couple of issues regarding health, Pat. There's one uh, in one of the papers there in the um, 
page 7, I think, of the Clare Record, where uh, East Clare TD Michael McNamara talks about waffle. What's waffle? Oh, yeah. Um, Michael, <laughs> Michael, Michael McNamara had a, uh, had a bit of a, 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 band, a, bit of, a bit of banter with uh, the, the T-shirt yes. uh, in the door over, over you, you, um, the Yale Hospital. Um, waffling over your head, Sheriff Parik McMahon has the story there. Claire TD has accused the T-shirt of waffling when it comes to explaining the explanations for overcrowding University Hospital Limerick. In the door on Tuesday, Deputy Michael McNamara Independent raised the issue of ongoing overcrowding in UHL with T-shirt Mehal Merton. The Scarlet Native highlighted the matter with the T-shirt and sought information on the outcome of an expert review into overcrowding in the hospital. And on Tuesday morning, there were 105 people waiting on trolleys at UHL, down five from Monday's figure. An expert group commissioned by the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, set up to complete a report on UHL's overcrowding issues by the end of the month. Hmm. Well, of course, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he accused the teacher of waffling then when he, he just was explaining about the expert group going back to him. But um, I don't know, is, is there an expert group needed to... To, to, to waffle? To waffle, <laughs> yeah. Expert, Lots yeah. of experts in that one. Yeah, it does seem crazy. I mean, that it's, we were talking about 50 or 60 people a few years ago in trolleys. Now yeah. we're, we're more than doubled. Double, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And I think if we, if we, were, if we, were, if we were recording this programme 15 years ago, Jim, I think we'd be, we'd be talking about overcrowding as well. Yes. Because I think it is, it's an ongoing problem in Limerick, and I can't understand how they can start. And, and lack of a plan. And yeah. as, as we've mentioned before, the big issue here, that the big elephant in the room is that no one is talking about the increase in population. Mm. Yeah. I said, what was the last new hospital built in the country? I don't know. Public hospital. Extensions? Or a new hospital. New hospital. Tala. Probably in Dublin, yeah. Tala, Tala. Tala I suppose, in Dublin, Tala. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tala in Dublin, yeah. And it wasn't built in the last 25 years. Yeah. Has the population increased substantially? But that's, you know, you, the building is one thing. Okay, I'm sure a decision could be made fairly speedily if that were the correct thing to do, to build a building. But to stock it raises the other question, which we're going to discuss a little later. Where do you get a sufficiency of doctors? Hmm. And why is it we, even though we graduate, uh, dozens of doctors every year, okay? Why is it that we end up being short all the time? Hmm. And you, what you're referring to there is page nine of the champion, John Dan Danaher. Absolutely. Has an article where the headline is Recruiting GPs Proving a Challenge. Yeah. And you'd have to ask, you've just asked, why? Yeah. Is, do you have any idea on why, Jim? You live in a community that's very well serviced, isn't yeah. that right? We're lucky. So our graduates all emigrating, they are mostly in, emigrating. A lot are emigrating to Australia and New Zealand on two counts, I gather. Mm-hmm. One is the salaries uh, are better, far better, and the work conditions are infinitely better. Yes. And the possibility of a t- a further training, from what I read in the articles, uh, enhanced. It appears that the opportunity, for example, you want to become a consultant in any of the disciplines, 
medical disciplines here in Ireland. You'd have great difficulty. Do you know? yeah. So we're in competition then, if what you're saying is true, and I, I don't doubt it, uh, we're in competition with Australia and with various other Absolutely. places uh, for our medically qualified personnel. Yes. yes. Um, but all of the things you have mentioned there can be fixed. Well, uh, we can pay them more, let's say, where yeah, we get the money yeah, from now is another thing. Yeah. Uh, we can organise training. Yeah. Um, and we can improve their, their working conditions. Yeah. Presumably, if, if someone has landed into UHL uh, accident and emergency and are faced with corridors full of trolleys, 100 plus people, that's not conducive to good working conditions. No, indeed, our development of positive attitudes. Mm. You see, the, the, um, take the training of a doctor into, into it. There's a, a class issue, isn't there, really, if we're honest about it. Mm. There's a class issue involved in that particular profession. Would you agree? Okay? Mm. Yeah. So, therefore, doctors tend to be drawn from a particular segment of the the social groupings in yeah. society. Will mm. that be a fair comment? Oh, sure, yeah. Mm. Yeah? Well, I would make it easy for any Leaving Cert student to gain access to a, a medical uh, degree course. Make it easy, and finance will be one. But I think there should be a payback. In other words, as a result of the state, that means the people, Providing you with a training to become a doctor, okay, should ask you to make a commitment for four years, five years, three years, whatever, you know, okay, after qualifying. But John, would it make any difference with the situation that currently exists because the people that are there are overworked and underpaid? Yeah. And you'll be there, I, un I, I accept what you're saying about if you make it open to more, I don't think anybody would have an issue with that if, yeah. if there are people that are interested in it yeah. from whatever part of society. Yeah. I said, you know, I said we need them and uh, as long as they're capable of doing the course and, you know, yeah. being proficient at it, yeah. they, they should be encouraged. Yeah. But would it make any difference? Well, I, be I th because in this country, yeah. what would happen? They would get taken advantage more because higher up the chain would say, it doesn't matter what we do to them, they have to stay here for three or four years. Oh, so I we, can, we can sort of screw them totally. Mm. Well, that, of course, would be a diabolical uh, consequence. But that's it? what's happening in other and, walks And I suppose, we, do, do we have then to raise more taxes to fund our health system properly? Well, As in here. And now the question is, is that what about raising more taxes? It, it needs to be run properly, mm. right? Yeah. And I think it could be run a lot better on a lot less money than what's currently been spent on it. Mm. Yes. So it's a question of management. Yeah, absolutely. Professor Liam Glynn is there. He's, he's, um, Which? He, Professor Liam Glynn, he's, um, he's a, um, a GP up in, actually in Bellevue, but he was, yeah. he gave a, a talk at a, a, um, the Midwest HSE uh, um, Community Healthcare. And, and I see a bit here. Uh, Professor Glynn said the difficulty with recruiting GPs for rural areas is now being replicated in urban areas like Tullus, where a new post had to be advertised on a number of occasions before they, they, they got a doctor. Yes. So, 
know. Uh, Did they get one eventually? Well, he, he, it's not, yeah, no provocation. He didn't say one, one way or the other. I suppose it's like a candidate, yeah. presumably. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we need to go on because we're approaching half time. John, I'm just wondering, you've been in various, involved in various committees, golf, GA, bridge, I presume, down the years. Have you ever found meetings going on too long? That you start too late, finishes too late, maybe you'd be tempted to nut off uh, somewhere down at the back. Especially if I've had a fine lunch. <laughs> that was always a problem, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, and a day's interviewing. Even a glass of wine after with lunch. But, but you know, doing interview work uh, in, in summertime and uh, having a fine lunch, as you would have, uh, and trying to stay awake while you're interviewing <laughs> and being well, terribly honest. Councillor Pat Burke uh, is anxious. He has a problem, hasn't he? He has. Go on. Do you want to give uh, your Pat, thoughts on it? Pat, uh, he, he reflects his own feeling about meetings. He suggests that they should be a little earlier than I... Yes, the body is yes. rhythm is more responsive earlier in the day. Yeah, than and the, finishing earlier. And finishing earlier. And Pat, and, and uh, uh, what kind of support did he get? In the article that's on the paper there, um, what kind of support did he get from his fellow councillors? Well, a few, a few backed him up, and uh, there was a few of the opinion that this was just staff the tool. Staff, it appears it's the meeting. 3.45. Staff at 3.45. 3.45, just near the time to go home. 3.45, <laughs> quarter to four, and they, they mightn't finish until after close to eight o'clock. Pat, there was a time. Some of them have the opinion that the staff at 10, and Pat, Pat is of the opinion that the staff at 10 and finish early, and... Uh, more of the councillors then uh, once uh, if they're working and they, they said they might be able to get off in the evening time after lunch. So some, some people wanted at two o'clock. But Pat, about 30 years ago, so, so 40 years ago, that's pushing it out, none of the current councillors would be, uh, you know, represented in the group I'm talking about 40 years ago. It's not right. Mm. So I can speak freely. The later the meeting uh, was in the day, then is he finishing meeting at 8 o'clock and you had to retire to the pub for, uh, you know, discussion and reflections on the, the motions that had been, isn't that right? Mm. There was a fair amount of, of, of that went on as the culture. Nowadays, county councillors work hard, you know, for their constituents. I'm sure they worked hard back in the day, but it's, the, 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 the culture has changed. Other culture, I you don't know. think they work too hard now, to be honest about it. Councillor Paul Murphy anyway said that the meetings should start at least a couple of hours earlier and that he would be, he would be in favour of going to 10, 10 uh, in. This is Councillor Paul Murphy from Star Castle. The brain is fresher in the morning, he observed. He's right. He's right, he's yeah. yeah. It goes back to the argument you could have saying that we need to have less politicians in the doll and more councillors, well, not maybe more councillors, but pay them a proper wage mm -hmm. and that they could do a lot of their business and, and give them more responsibility. And, it was, and give them more responsibility. I think that's coming. Yeah. Ultimately, it was decided that the proposal would go back to the council standing orders committee for further consideration. So, so that would be an accumulation matter, is basically what, where, yes. where we're at. Okay, listen, we've reached the halfway point. Uh, Pat, do you have any... Sorry, sorry Jim, before yes. you go, we haven't mentioned uh, the statue. 
are you going to leave it with part two? Oh, we, 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 yeah, we, maybe we'll start part two. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> do you mean now the puka? Yes, yes. Or do yeah. you mean... Or uh, Ray Darcy. Ray Darcy. No, I'm talking about the statue. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about the puka. <laughs> well, Pat, well, next week are we in, in we store, are, we are in store in mid, for us? We are in midsummer anyway, so uh, Spencer Hill is on next Thursday, Jim, you told me, of June, so we'll have Spencer Hill with Robbie McMahon. Okay, Pat. Spencer, mm. they did it. Mm. Perfect. Last night, as I lay dreaming of the pleasant days gone by, my mind been bent on rambling and to air and xylated fly. I stepped on board the vision, I sailed out with a will, and I quickly came to anchor at my home in Spansel Hill. Enchanted with the novelty, delighted with the scenes, where in my early childhood I oftentimes have been. I thought I heard a murmur, I think I hear it still. Tis that little stream of water at the cross of Spansel Hill. You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio, and we were listening there to the wonderful Robbie McMahon, the late Robbie McMahon, uh, who I think Pat does the best version of Spencer Hill. That's right. He was from Spencer Hill, and oh, he yeah. was uh, kind of the the, the the grandfather of it, I suppose. Really. Yes. Okay, uh, John. Yeah. During the week, John, you were reading. Uh, our president's comments. Oh, oh, Michael D. McLean. And you were you had some concerns. I certainly had. Yeah. Go on, tell I, us. Uh, Simon Carswell has an article on the front page, lads, of the Irish Times this week. It's a report on President uh, O'Higgins, uh, com- uh, Michael's comment on the housing crisis, which he labelled it as a disaster. Now, he has condemned the housing crisis as our great, a quote from, the, from, from Simon Carswell's article, he condemns it as our great, 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 and still continuing great failure, saying it could no longer be considered a crisis, but rather a disaster. Now, that's a strong word. He was addressing a, a housing crisis in a forceful and emotional speech. It can't take it there yesterday, but it wasn't yesterday, it's a couple of days ago. Now, the president said there had been a sharp increase in homelessness among young people. And he said there were so many derelict buildings, as we have said here so often, so many abandoned buildings and half-empty villages, questioning why more could not be refurbished. And the article goes along in that kind of, of style oh, of yeah. And I said to myself, no, that's going to cause trouble mm. because we live in a, a democracy where the president does not have executive power, it's not like that. Mm. And it raises the issue, can he ever open his mouth on an issue that might maybe be a little political, although the, the solution to the crisis the housing crisis is a political question, partly, okay? So in a sense, it's an attack on policy. How do you feel about that, Lance? Does the president, must the president keep his mouth shut and leave it to the, the other politicians? You've had a history, I think, where yeah. presidents haven't 
came out with comments. Mary McAleese is a lady that came out with a lot of comments when she wasn't president. When she wasn't? When she wasn't. Yeah. That I'd say she probably wanted to give when she was. But yeah. I, I imagine the, the protocols probably, you know, would have ensued that, that, that uh, she didn't. Um, there's a bit of a catch-22 about it. Is any of what he said wrong? No. So therefore... It's the saying of it, not what the content... No, no, no I know that. But is any of what he said wrong? And the difference being that, um, I said, what are the polit- what have what have the government parties done about it? Yeah. And not just the current crew, the crew from five years ago, the crew from ten yeah. years ago, yeah. fifteen, yeah. twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah. And it's like everything. We don't do planning in this country, and you know there'll be a plan for this, a plan for that, and there's feck all done. Mm. But I suppose we went away from social housing, from building council housing and social housing years ago, and we kind of left it to the, we left it to the yeah, private development. The, the yeah. But it's like everything else, you take away the powers that the councils have mm. had, and centralise them up in Dublin because Dublin's the centre of the universe. Where mm. are all the politicians based? Dublin. So yeah. they're the issue. If the mm. I'm sure that if the councils had the money, given. The, we read it in the papers, not every week, but not far off every week. The housing issues in Clare, and we're just talking about Clare. Yeah. Mm. They would be building houses mm. if they had the money to do it. They don't have mm. the capability or the facility to do it because it was taken away from them right, to yeah. be centralised. Mm. So, so who's responsible for that? Politicians. So is he, is the president within his rights to make an observation like that? That's really the question. I suppose, John, you know, the, the president has to steer clear of, we'll say, political issues of the day. Mm. He certainly couldn't criticise any particular government. Now, he hasn't done that. No. Mm. So, I mean, he's talking about general issues yes. as, as we as a country face. Yeah. So it's probably okay. I, I don't think he's crossed the line. Do you not? But I'd love to know, it was my understanding always that if the president wanted to make a speech, he or she would have to clear that speech with the government. That's right. Um, I'm just wondering if that's still... Uh, but that certainly was a strong issue at the time of Charlie Haughey. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't know, I mean, it's an interesting question. Do you lose your, your, your rights as a citizen of, a con- of our country if you become president? Pretty much. You lose your rights to comment freely, certainly mm. you do. I would think that if uh, Michael D, given his prior and previous history, uh, he would have had an awful lot more to talk about rather than housing over the last 10 or 12 years. Mm. Yeah. So he's mm-hmm. probably kept stone. Absolutely. Well, I think he, he is a sociologist and he, so his mind is focused on. Uh, you know, social issues. And yes. Yeah, very, very much. Which yeah. is perfectly entitled. Yeah. He, he, did, he did refer to uh, a housing, housing issue I'd say last year as well, or maybe at some other event, because I remember it came up. Yeah. It came and up he has before. talked about issues like that over the yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll go on. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest with you, um, to yeah. see that lovely statue of the Puka <laughs> on page four in Declared Champion. Um, getting ready to settle down in its new home of Karen. Yeah. You know, I still think, you know, outside the hurling field in Tulla or at the cross there in Bodike, beside the monuments to the 
eviction, but I evictions. I'm, I'm just surprised the dogs haven't tried to take it up to Dublin, Jim. Yes. <laughs> or maybe Spencer Hill. Spencer Hill talked about Spencer Dublin with, with <laughs> statues, as you saw. Yeah. yeah, there's probably a space for it somewhere around Dublin Airport. <laughs> the Fuka. But anyway, Ray Darcy, I don't know what Ray Darcy is doing there, but um, he's, he's there himself and the Fuka are pictured together. What's the update, anyway? Oh, it's Where going to Carolyn, and I think the end of June. The 25th of June. At yeah. 12, it'll be unveiled in town on Saturday, the 25th of June at 12 p.m. That's are, we, are we going over? Well, Next no, Saturday. John, I think we'll be going up in November because uh, they're planning to have a Sound Kuka storytelling festival on the 1st of November. We should see what day of the week it is. We should go up and do a broadcast. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so you could inspect it and <laughs> ha- well, pass comment in the flesh. <laughs> no, the it's a fabulous thought. Close up the photograph. There's, it going, is. there's it going, is, going to be yeah. a limestone plinth on the, on the bottom of the John, and, and uh, what's it's going, to be, uh, going to be on it is it's going to say, Puka, Puka, is Misha and Puka. Yes, Profound uh, words. Oh, yes. Deep, deep. <laughs> he's he's a muscular guy. He is. He is. You know, he's and in the he, upper part of the body. He's mm. well built. Yeah. Anyway, we go on. Um, are you talking about uh, the, the puka or the man beside it? No, when <laughs> I'm talking puka. about the puka. <laughs> yeah. Listen, the it's great that when a, a radio station or when a program on a radio station like local media this week. Yeah. And we're, we're not slow to give our opinions uh, week after week. And when you see those opinions taken up and people acting upon them, I'm looking at the Ukrainian family bike appeal. Yeah. And when this first came to our, atten- our, our attention, we saw that in order to contribute uh, your bicycle or whatever kind of a bike you want to, you yeah. no longer use, we'd have to go up to Aina. Mm. That's right. And we said at the time, I don't know who said it, we probably all agreed, that, you know, what about people in East Clare? That's right. But I see today, um, if you want to, you can, the bikes can be dropped, children's bikes, adult or children's bikes, can be dropped to all Clare County Council recycling centres, Shannon, Ennis, Scarif, Listine and Dinah. No. So... That's good yeah, news. It's a bit of common sense. It is common sense. No, I think Isn't it, it is. Yeah. But the, the bikes need to be in reasonably good condition. I think they can, they'll do minor repairs on them, but they have to be in reasonably good condition that they'll, they'll be able to yeah. cycle yes. them. So, yeah. Yeah, so if anybody has bikes at home and in, in a shed and they don't need them, and, and, and you know, it should be, it should be nice to. And it's a serious, it's a serious question, a serious request, Pat. Mm. Do you know? It is, but I, I suppose what you need to bear in mind as well is that given the price of petrol and diesel these yeah. days, a lot of people might need to bike themselves. Just one comment. Uh, last week, um, uh, a garage in uh, Clare had petrol at 2.22 a litre. I got out the calculator, that's 9.99 a gallon. 9.99, that's ten, 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 a tenner ten, a litre. So that, that's, you know, yeah. so you're sort of wondering where are we at? Are you talking 2.14, 2.15? It's going to be over 9, nine euros, 9.50. Mm-hmm. 2.22 is a tenner a gallon. But there you are now, you're driving an electric car and you're smiling all the way. <laughs> Do you get, incidentally, does it cost you anything to actually uh, charge up your battery for the car? I'm sure it costs you electricity. Not if you charge it off the panels during the day, you're okay. But uh, we'd say obviously in winter time or when the panel the sun isn't shining, 
which is the first two weeks of June, but it seems to be improving a bit now. You pay, you know, you pay, uh, I, I have night rate, so I charge at night about um, 10 cent a unit. So, I mean, you're, you're saving serious money like this. So, how much roughly would it take to charge the roughly, car overnight? Roughly a fiver in winter would give you between 150 and 200 miles. So, if you multiply that by three, which is would be, if you said a, a petrol or a diesel car would have a range of 600 miles, you know, roughly, mm. multiply that by three. So, 15 euros versus... Probably why, now 70 why, or 80. Look, why are the cars, why are the electric cars so dear, even small ones? Well, uh, every car is dear now, John. Uh, yeah, they are too dear. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, I agree with and you. And you can't get them as well. Pardon? Yeah. You can't get them. Yeah. If you yeah. order the car now, uh, you, you, you won't get them in 2023. No. So, here on the one hand, we're being asked to get rid of the, the uh, diesel and the petrol you know, okay, and take on the actual yeah. uh, electric car and at the same time the price for you know the car itself is rocketing upwards isn't that well like, yeah well it's not just electrics petrol and diesels uh, cars are going uh, that way as well I, yeah. actually the percentage of diesel uh, being bought in Europe is at its lowest I think in 20 years mm. that, that's sort of beside the point you know yeah there's as much electric cars bought in Ireland up to now, as there was in the whole year of last year. Yeah, I saw that in the paper there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's 500 pints needed in Dublin, 500. Uh, I have a fellow saying yes, somewhere. there's 500. Uh, there was, plug, uh, plug in. Uh, plug in, uh, plug in needed in Dublin. There's, there's one needed in East Kilda. <laughs> 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 there'll I mean, be one in Scarab and Kilda, there will be one in Tulla. Crazy. It is crazy. I mean, really, like. The, is, be, I, because this I, I, thing didn't just happen in the last few no, weeks. No, not at all. But, you know, I was listening to it on, on, the, on the radio yesterday, John. If we go to, if someone wants to go and all, below, we say just below one of the garages, local garages, here, he has to go for parent permission to put on this, put in this unit. You know, it's no, crazy. No. Go for parent permission to put in, put in a, a charging those, unit. A charging unit. And of course, you don't need parent permission at home to put up a charging you unit. You don't. But you have, if, if, if it's, if it's helpless, that's just, you know, that's just a, a report uh, in the news yesterday at one o'clock on yeah. the radio. Okay, we'll go on. We During the break, uh, we had Spansel Hill with uh, Robbie McMahon, but Pat, uh, we just, you were telling us at during the break that uh, you actually, you have been to Spansel Hill. I have been to Spansel Hill on a few occasions, Jim, yeah. What's it like? It's, it's just a house fair and you have all, you, don't you know, no, you have, uh, you have all, all, all types of society. <laughs> Did you ever buy anything there? Yes. I didn't know, no, no, I wouldn't in, in, in buy nothing, but I just bought for the fun. <laughs> I just bought for the fun. Yeah. And would there be a lot of fun. kind of sideshows, if you like, I mean, yeah, stands the, and the, things for sale? There would be, the, yeah, you could, you could buy anything from the hint to uh, a pony on the house, kind of thing. A chick, hint. Of chickens and, do- and dogs and everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a good one. Just go down a few couple of hours, like just go there and. Uh, there won't be any cattle. There won't be any cattle there. Will no, there? no, principally horses. And, and, yeah, and they have they, they, they have short jumping there as well. They have a few uh, short jumping ring kind of where they try out horses and. Try, try them out, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been to um, Ballas Low yeah. there, but, but yeah. I've, I've never been to. Did you ever sell an animal? I bought a donkey once, John. You did when I was fourteen. I Where came into a man in Scarif and I bought a donkey for eleven pounds. Muscle Bjorg Dove. Muscle Bjorg Dove. Kenig me Renault. Did you work him? Not at all. He was an ornament for the rest of his life. 
Yeah. We, we had him as a pet. We had three donkeys when I was young. One working donkey. Did you ever have a cart? Oh yeah. I would would. You be able, would you be able to actually saddle a, a, a horse or a donkey? I'd be a well able to tackle an ass would you? and put him under a cart and all the bits and pieces that will go with it, from the, the hames to the collar to the straddle yeah. and, the, and the, Betty, the britching. The britching, yeah. And, and attach him to the right chains on the... Thank God you're a man of many parts, haven't you? <laughs> I was brought up with yeah, well, Fiona has a story here. Spencer Hills, Arles said for 400 fair. Final preparations are underway ahead. Ahead of the return of the legendary Spencer Hills fair to the festival calendar on Thursday, June 2012. The event, which was to be cancelled for the last two years due to the pandemic, was almost mockboard permanently due to insurance issues. In April, in April an 11th hour intervention by Clare County Council secured the future and paved way for the celebrations of this year to mark the 400th anniversary of the world renowned for Horse Fair. It's 400th anniversary, and we really hope that the people will come along and enjoy the events that PRO and local base Pelly has it. And, um, he has David down here as well. It's um, with the license for, uh, with the license for the fair being granted in sixteen twenty one. The winch has been going strong for just over four hundred years. I wonder if Queen Elizabeth knew we were back in action this year, telling news that they spent a hill for the talking of the colour. A, a souvenir booklet de detailing the four um, centuries of the fair will be made available to visitors arriving at this year's event. Michael Duggan has been working on this at Paddy. We thought it would be a very fitting gesture. So um, we wish him the best of luck on the 400th anniversary of the Australian Spencer. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, another and anniversary being celebrated next week is uh, there's a reunion uh, in Scarif, in, in um, Ryan's, I think, in Scarif on f next Friday the 24th. A 30 year reunion for Scarif Community College being organised by James Tracy. We just said we'd. Mentioned it. A bit of good news as well on the paper today. Beckman Coulter. Uh, Beckman Coulter intend to uh, increase their workforce. I think yeah. Luke. Yeah, page six. Page yeah. six, yeah. six is the champion. Beckman Coulter said to add up to 60 jobs in Clare. Fiona McGowey has the story there on page six of the Clare champion. Expansion is on the cards with Beckman Coulter's or has made Kent with the company seeking permission for facilities to accommodate an additional 60 staff. Details of the jobs were revealed as a planning application currently being considered by Clare County Council. The medical and diagnostics company is looking to create additional first floor laboratory and office space as well as new roof, plant area and existing eastern warehouse. In, in its existing eastern warehouse, the planning application has stated that an, an 60 additional staff will be added to the existing 420 strong force and will occupy the new, that will occupy the new extension. That's great. Johnny Wall was, I know you have a soft spot for not so much Beckman culture, but the industry that's Oh there. yeah, very, very much, because it illustrates that uh, the location of industry need not be confined to urban centres. Here you have these fabulously successful um, diagnostic farm, yeah. mm. what have you. Um, imagine 400, 400 fine Jobs, jobs yeah. isn't that right? In a, a beautiful environment. Up against and we've, uh, we've more as well, but it's great to see yeah. that industry. We'll, we'll be up against well. 500 as well jobs, and there's 420 there at the present time. And 60 more coming And 60 more coming on, yeah, and I suppose you'll, you'll probably support staff and additional staff yeah. as well. So you could be talking of, of 500 or maybe over 500 yeah. jobs there. We are in the building. 
Um, I was, yeah, I was in the middle. Yeah. Well, I was just in the Are there many reception. from around your home in, in the middles now actually working in, in, in Well, there is, some, there is some people all around here yeah, from the parish here. Yeah, there is, yeah, yeah, working there, yeah. And would you say there are people working there from around that would be gone out of East Clare? Oh, I suppose to. Oh, you could say that, John, yeah. There's actually people coming from Innes and they coming in there, coming in the big coming there. Uh, when I spent the next six days, now you 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 see the cars going up and down at, at, at the yeah. closing time of the, the you know okay. in the morning and evening. Okay, um, and that's great news at Beckman Coulter. Killaloo Community Council's elections are on underway at the moment. I think get a mention in in one of the papers. I yeah, think Dan Danaher has it, Jim, on page eleven of the Champion, and an interesting paragraph. According to the census, the electorate in the Killaloo electoral division comprises of about sixteen hundred eligible voters who will be able to vote electronically and in person oh. at a location during the last weekend in June. So basically, last weekend in June, we might nearly have to go down. I wonder, will there be a count? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's for people in Killaloo, and, and this is true of, of all towns and villages, yeah. the more people that vote and take part in the election, the, the more, um, mm. what would I say, the more clout that the community council will have. Because yeah. they can yeah. claim to represent those I suppose the one them. issue with it is, is because, it, you know, we'll say you've killed Lou and Balnad, they consider themselves sort of like a twin town, but because they're technically two different councils area, it's only going to be for Killaloo, but I, I see that they're looking again to see if they could have a joint community council look at that proposal, we'll say, mm. with Tipperary in the future. Yeah. And I, I noticed that one of them, uh, the residents, or sorry, the groupings, they met with Waterways Ireland recently and hoped to conduct discussions with this agency concerning how the proposed new greenway between Limerick and Scarif could benefit Killaloo. Yeah. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that we yeah. sh should be doing. It is indeed. Yeah. Okay, I, I just. There, there's the, sorry, the, uh, the website Killaloo Local Community Council WordPress.com and they're on Facebook as well. And it's an appeal to please participate, yes. isn't it? It's so important. It's so important. My first look today at Hearty Cup Champions, St. Joseph's Secondary School, Tulla, Making Dreams a Reality. Uh, Pat, you had this book there, a fine book. Yeah, it's uh, a fine publication. Well, uh, they, 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 they had a, a dry meal with the winning the Hearty Cup. And yeah. the Over 250 pages, pages. and yeah. full colour, glossy. It yeah, really is. It looks... It's, it's 20 euros in China, anyone, anyone in East Clare as well um, that had an interest in, in hurling and maybe the, I suppose, all the parents probably have... John, of, can I give you 60 um, seconds to, um, to talk about the Ukrainians changing our schools ah, for the better? Yes, yes. There's one obvious, obvious plus with the uh, refugees coming in, okay? They're located very often in rural communities. And a lot of our rural, rural community school, schools are, you know, having difficulty maintaining their numbers, isn't that right? Numbers and consequently yeah. maintaining and retaining teachers. Okay. So we have lovely illustrations of the point, in fact, in, uh, in our neighbour up the road. In Flagmont, isn't that right? How many, how many, is it nine? Not sure how many, but... Yeah, something like that. Okay. So the more that... Uh, young children that come in from uh, the Ukraine, uh, the better will be the actual will welcome in many, many primary schools. They'll be hurlers eventually. They will. There you are. That's on page 12, thanks John, in the Clare Echo this week. Listen, that's, we've reached the end of our time this evening. 
my thanks to John S. John S., thank you very You're much. Welcome, to Pat O'Brien, our resident DJ. Thanks, Jim. And to Luke Fleming, another sterling performance off the bench. <laughs> and <laughs> impact. And impact. <laughs> have you a piece of music for us to play out on? Well, Elton, Elton John is going to be in Parky Keeve on July 1st. And his first um, record was um, his first in 1972, and Rocketman. Okay. So we'll. We, we Go with Elton John. There's a, there'll be a few space cadets down in Cork, I'm sure. I've no uh, doubt about it. And it looks like um, Parky Keeve now is more of a concert venue than a GA venue. The, the Cork place will love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, thank you very much uh, to everybody and uh, all our listeners. We'll see you again, please God, next week at 2 pm on next Sunday. For the moment, from all of us here on Scarif Bay Community Radio on local media this week, goodbye and God bless. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then